Live from Nashville, Tennessee, this is the Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. Well, it's too much work afoot here, boys, I believe I've had my fill. There's pens to mend and chores to tend and trouble with the old windmill. There's stalls to muck and I drive a truck more than I ride my horse. There's too much work afoot here, boys, somebody better tell the boss. Tell him there's too much work afoot here, too much hay to haul. No bronx to bust and my spurs are rusted, hanging on the bunkhouse wall. And I have not cinched my saddle rope wild cattle in way too long. There's too much work afoot here, boys, I do believe I'm gone. Well, the pay ain't bad, the food's real good, and the boss ain't too damn mean. It ain't far to town, so there's girls around for a Saturday evening spree. But I long to change on open range where wilder outlaws run. There's too much work afoot here, boys, I do believe I'm done. Cause there's too much work afoot here, too much hay to haul. No bronze to bust, my spurs are rusted, hanging on the bunkhouse wall. And I have not cinched my saddle to rope wild cattle in way too long. There's too much work afoot here, boys, I do believe I'm gone. What may I'm bound to stray where rougher trails may lead Cause I long spur some green broke fur while turning a wild stampede But these old fat cattle they run to the rattle of a feed sack in the pen There's too much work put here And right here's where it ends Tell the boss there's too much work put here Too much hay to haul No Bronx to bust and my spurs are rusted Hanging on the bunkhouse wall and I have not sensed my saddle to rope wild cattle in way too long. There's too much work afoot here, boys, I do believe I'm gone. There's too much work afoot here, boys, adios so long. Well, good afternoon from Nashville, Tennessee. That's Mike Blakely's Too Much Work Afoot. And I'm your host, Gary Holt. Joining me in Albuquerque, New Mexico, is our always vibrant and vivacious co-host, Miss Bobby Bell. Good morning, Bobby. Good morning, Gary. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I am doing good. I am looking so forward to the show today. We're going to have so much fun. But um, how are things out in New Mexico with the COVID virus going around? Well, things are starting to open up a tad. Um, I think some restaurant outside dining uh, started yesterday or so, and and supposedly Monday. Um, I think now there'll be some opportunity for inside dining and maybe the bars opening. Beauty salons have still not opened. Um, It seems as though that may happen in whatever the next sort of major phase is. 
Um, and of course, there's still new cases every day and recoveries every day. So, you know, we're just riding through it like everybody else. Like everybody else. Well, music is back on Broadway in Nashville. And so we're excited about that. Not quite like it used to be, but having music in Music City is a good thing. And people are really excited Mm -hmm. about that. So things will kind of get back to a new normal as we continue to go through different phases as folks are opening up. And um, we may talk a little bit with Mr. Dave Stamey after a while about his sessions that he's doing at home, too. But... um, Tell us who our guest is. I almost gave it away, didn't I? Oh, <laughs> we have Dave Stamey standing by, and I'm excited. We'll be uh, chatting with Dave and listening to music from his newest CD, Good Dog. Um, so so eager to have him join us. Yeah, I'm not sure whether you pronounce that like I talked to my dog or not. Good dog. <laughs> Or whether it's yeah. good dog. Maybe Dave will clear that up for us when we come back. But in the second hour of the show, we're going to be talking with Mr. Wes Taylor. He's the owner of Wild West Mustang Ranch in Utah. So that all comes about in the second hour on Saddle Up America. We have so much fun planned for you today with the wonderful Mr. Dave Stamey. And we're going to share stories and his great music. And then visiting with West on Saddle Up America. But right now, let's take a listen to one of Dave's great songs. It's one called Tale of the West. It's from his most recent CD, Good Dog. Here we go. Hey, starvation place on the patch of sand. The railroad ties and old rusty wire. Driving them T-Pos through the hard pan. Hoping the price of feed wouldn't get no higher horn and tar on your shirt Coffee, tobacco, Corona salve Worthless dogs sneaking around everywhere And bad luck was the only luck we had It tell of the West Had a rural ride address Nothing very extraordinary An ordinary tale of the West Feeding cattle in a dry lot Meat pulp and blue mix Moldy hay Bony hip, sorry looking Bramer cross Hoping they could gain three pounds a day Tin roof on the barn, flapping in the wind Foot rot and pink eye and warble flies Twelve cc's of tearing my sin Just swinging our loops underneath the open sky It tail of the west A rural ride address Nothing very extraordinary An ordinary tale of the West Those who've been there know what I mean 
Living the romance, living the dream, trying to make a living, trying to get it along. It tell of the West and a rural ride dress. Nothing very extraordinary, an ordinary tale of the West. An ordinary tale of the West. Welcome back to Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. We just heard Tale of the West from Dave Stamey's newest CD, Good Dog. Our guest today, Dave Stamey, has been recognized with multiple awards for his songwriting and performing talents by such organizations as the Academy of Western Artists, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, and the International Western Music Association. Entertaining audiences large and small across the vast West, Dave Stamey declares his job is to find the stories of the rural West, the landscape, the history, the people, and bring them to life. When Dave Stamey invites you to come ride with me, don't hesitate. Perhaps you'll travel down a dusty 12-mile road, ride under Lincoln County skies, or into the old Sierra Nevada, or up into the wild blue yonder in Uncle Harvey's Plain. No matter where he takes you, you can bet you'll see the West through new eyes. And at the end of the ride, I can think of nothing better than sitting across the table at the Tonopah Club in Tonopah, Nevada, where Ruby is singing, or at Molly's Well and share with Dave a bottle of good quality wine. Please welcome back to Campfire Cafe a performer who, like the traveling bards of old, enjoys nothing more than being out on the road sharing his music with live audiences. In the meantime, find him on YouTube, sitting on his front porch, entertaining us with his unique stories and songs. Welcome, Dave. Jamie. Hey, Dave. Hey, you got. I'm just, I'm proud of how you got so many of them songs in there. <laughs> <laughs> She's such a talented person. I'm telling you what. Hey, Dave Stamey, how you doing, my friend? You know, better than I deserve, probably. How are you guys? Oh, doing great, doing great. You, I do need a haircut. I, I do need a haircut, though. That's that's the problem uh-huh. that I have right now. Oh yeah, gosh. With me both. They, op- <laughs> they, they opened up the uh, beauty and barber shops about two weeks ago in Nashville, and I was right on the phone calling mine. I was, uh, I was, I was like ponytail time. It was getting pretty yeah, rough. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. looking. Uh, I'm looking about like I look like I'm, I'm ready to go to seed. Is what I look like. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, gosh. Well, you shared some good news with us before the show started. You have some some things that are starting to open up, don't you? Yeah, there's a there's a few things that have hung in there actually um, that that start to open up for me here in the first part of June, and um, uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see how. Uh, I, I hate the word the words new normal, and if anybody says that to me again, I'm going to cloud up and rain all over them because I'm, I'm just oh, really no. tired of hearing it. Yeah, but uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how how th- these things go. You know, it's just it's just it's everybody's so cautious and uh, you know being so careful, which is understandably so. Um, yeah. So we'll just we'll just you know as you say we'll just ride it out. 
like because uh, we really don't have a choice, do we? It's it's just it's just what it is. No. It it is what it is. It is what it is. So I'm loving the new CD, and I was listening to to the CD yesterday as I was selecting songs for today, and uh, and it just struck me, you know, you're you're real well known as a as a Western music artist, but you sound folkish to me or Americana. It's how do you how do you peg yourself? I Good try music. not to peg myself. I just yeah, I yeah. try not to peg myself. I've always I've always thought uh, I've always been considered more of a folk singer. It's just the, the folks I sing about wear cowboy hats. That's all. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I've always thought instead of genres, people just need to say this is good music. Let's enjoy it. Yeah, so. good music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I consider Ooh. myself a songwriter more than anything else. Well, you're a great songwriter, but you're one of the best entertainers out there, and people just keep telling me you got to see Dave Stamey in a show sometime. So, <laughs> Bobby, Bobby's seen it. Bobby's seen me fumbling oh, around up on yeah. stage. She has. Yes, and and so totally delightful every time, and different playlist every time. Do you you know, Dave? Do you kind of keep track of when you play a certain place? You know, do you remember what you played there? So if you go back, you don't you don't necessarily play the same songs again. Or- exactly, exactly. Yeah, I, I do that because because people tend to follow you around. You know. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I'm, I'm very concerned about that. I don't want to do the same show every time, and then uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be on a tour, and I'll be out there for four or five days, and, and uh, I'll, I'll look around, and, and then, oh hell, there's the same people that were at the first show or at the fifth show. It's like, oh, I've got to change my set list around. They've already heard that <laughs> show. So, mm-hmm. uh, well, I, I know yeah. when, when, we, when we got to see you last year when you were out here um, in Corrales, I think. It was probably the uh-huh. first time that I we got to see you with an audience that uh, a, a lot of them knew you, but mostly an audience that didn't know you. They were seasoned subscribers. They just know this is going to always be fantastic music. And I thought that was really illuminating because your set list was it was just like perfect for that audience. Well, um, if I if it's a new if it's a new bunch of people, yeah, I will I'll, I'll fall back on what I consider my strong stuff and um, um, hit them hit them with that pretty hard. And if it's if it's the regulars like you know who who come to see me quite often, then I can stretch out and do different stuff. And and they they seem mm-hmm. to be more receptive to it. You know, stuff that that's not as strong that is some, something that I'm trying to develop and. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's 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 an interesting journey. We're making it up as we go along. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say that when Bobby saw you in Corrales last year, it was last year I think. She yeah. she called me up and she said, "Man, you should have seen Dave Stamey. That was one of the <laughs> finest shows that I ever saw." And uh Bobby well, thank Bobby you. That's nice. Yeah, Bobby doesn't usually call me, so she was pretty stinking excited about <laughs> your show. But, uh, so for our worldwide audience, whenever you get a chance to hear Dave Stamey, be sure and get out and do that. But um, right now I want to get to another song from the CD. So what do we call it? 
good dog, or we call it good dog? What do we call that? Uh, depends on um, whether you're mad at him or not, I guess. Um, <laughs> it's, 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 I, I always like the audience to bring a little bit to the work uh, on their own, so it's kind of up to you how you want to pr- pr- pronounce that. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to quit saying good dog because my dog's not in here right now. So let's listen to old Sierra Nevada. It's Dave Stamey. He is our very special guest today on the Campfire Cafe. Come along, boys. There's a place that I know. The mountains are high and covered in The sunsets put on a hell of a shore in the old Sierra Nevada. There's granite and pine, the old packer's song, the haze that floats in the canyons at dawn. At 10,000 feet, the whiskey is strong in the old so gather your horses wild as the deer challenge you want there's plenty right here live like you never have nothing to fear in the old Sierra Nevada It's raining or snowing, blowing the gale. Pull up your light and go clinch down your nails. String up your mules and head for the trail in the old Sierra Nevada. There's a cowgirl up there, longing to see. Tougher than leather and soft as the breeze If I'm man enough, she's a gal for me In the old Sierra Nevada So gather your horses wild as the deer Challenge you want, there's plenty right Live like you never have nothing to fear in the old Sierra Nevada. And we'll make our camp where the winds blow free, far this thing from captivity. In the only place. We both need to be in the old Sierra Nevada. So gather your horses wild as the deer. The challenge you want, there's plenty right here. Live like you never have nothing to be in the old. Sierra Nevada 
Sierra Nevada from Dave Stamey's uh, brand new CD, Good Dog. We're talking with Dave. You know, Dave, in the intro to this um, CD, you talk about this being a set of songs in their simplest form, vocal and guitar, and I love this, words and wood. That's, that, to me, was so uh, so clearly spoken with such simple words. <laughs> You must be a songwriter. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 I try, but that's one of those things that uh, you have to restart every day. So, you know, some some days uh, more than is, others. I know that this um, this particular collection was uh, a long time putting this together, and I also, of course, hear Annie's um, harmony with you throughout the songs. Do you want to talk just a little bit about? Um, the process on this and the length of time involved and then maybe a little bit about Annie. I don't know that we've ever really um, talked about her before. Oh, I'd love to talk about Annie. Annie is, uh, um, she is so, such a brilliant, brilliant uh, harmony vocalist. Um, she just lights up everything that, 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 that she, she puts her voice to. And it's, um, uh, it's an interesting process when we, when we do this, I will send her, uh, rough rough cuts of the songs that I'm going to do, and in fact, I'm in the process of, of assembling stuff for a new project. Um, I, I do that way ahead of time, and then um, I'll go ahead and and uh, uh, do my do my cuts, and then I'll send her the final vocals that I'm using, uh, and then she'll she'll base the harmonies over the top of that. And I used to I used to kind of guide her. I said, well, I like a little harmony here, maybe two part here, and this and that. And, but after, I mean, I, I quit that 20 years ago. I just said, do whatever it is you want to do. It's going to be just fine. Um, yeah, I know. I no longer have feel like I need to guide her. She is such a great artist. And, uh, but this, um, this, this particular, I've, all, I've, I wanted to do that for a long time. Uh, just, a, just me and a guitar and, and Annie on the, on the vocals and, um, it, it it quickly became obvious to me that not, not not every song will lend itself to that, and uh, uh, some songs they have to be pretty strong as songs to stand up to that. So it took me a long time. It took me several years to assemble um, a, a roster of songs that I thought could stand up to that sort of uh, scrutiny. And um, I, and I'm not you know it's 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 probably the the, the jury's still out whether I succeeded but uh i think you did uh, anyway there it oh, is I think yeah. You did. I think you did. Yeah. yeah it's great how did how did you how did you and annie meet uh annie and i met uh golly i was working for um an outfitter in the eastern sierra and uh she we we did these horse drives uh up and down the owens valley which is in eastern california in the high desert and uh she and uh some friends of hers came on one of these horse drives and uh they were doing little three-part harmony singing and so forth, and they wanted me to play guitar for them, so I did. And and uh, and that was way early on. That was in the late late 80s, probably before I uh, decided to make the leap into doing this full time. And um, but anyway, so when the time came that I was going to record my first album, I I had her come in, and because I knew she was very talented just from yeah. just from that and. Uh, <clears throat> Oh, wow. yeah, so we've we've worked together for oh golly, 
yeah, over like 20 your, years. Your career, years. yeah. No, more than that. Yeah, yeah it's only yeah. 25 at least. <laughs> so. um, well, let's, uh, let's, let's go ahead and get to the title cut from the CD, Good Dog. This is Dave Stamey. How did you come up with this song? Um, well, there's a long story to it, but uh, basically it was, I just had, I had my dog with me one day. We were going to go get some feed, and he was in the truck with me, and I looked over, and I said, you're a good dog, aren't you? You're good. You <laughs> yes, you're good. <laughs> and we, uh, you know how you do. Yeah. <laughs> you know how yeah. you do. And then, yeah. uh, and it just kind of spun out from there. By the time I got home from the feed store, I had pretty much all the song there. Oh, so cool. So cool. Well, let's listen to Good Dog and come back and talk more with Dave Stamey today on the Campfire Cafe. I got a good dog. I love me everywhere that I go. A friendly dog. Glad to know everybody that I know. Truck's his favorite place With wind in his face Makes his big part race Cause he's a good dog And he's a happy dog Thumps his tail Every time I come in sight Not a yappy dog Barks a little He don't hardly ever bite don't work no cows Never did learn how But I take him along anyhow Cause he's a good dog Getting a little gray around the muzzle And again, so am I When I'm blue and life has got me puzzled Right there anytime I need him A mighty fine dog Always ready for me to get up and feed him He helps me with the chores And he lays there on the floor In case I want him for something more Good dog, 
And um, I was just looking at the album cover, Dave. Is that your good dog on the cover? That's him. That's Simon. That's the boy. Oh, gosh. He's a pretty boy, and he is a gray yeah. around the muzzle. Yeah. Yeah, he's, getting, he's, he's uh, yeah, doggone it. That's the problem with these dogs. They just, it, it's the problem with having dogs and horses is they don't live long enough. Yeah, I know. I know. But uh, but I had somebody that told me the other day, he said, I'll never have another dog. My dog died, and I just haven't had another one. I said, well, the thing is, they've kind of blessed your life and shown you love that you would never have known without one. So maybe you need to get another one. But uh, Absolutely. great yeah, song. That's right. I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great song. Great, great song. Thanks. Well, Thank you. Well, um, I was thinking when you were talking a little a while ago about Annie and, and meeting up on the uh, trail as you were, were an outfitter, didn't you work at the Alisale Ranch for a while? Yeah, I did uh, for about a dozen years. Um, uh, back in, uh, started in early 90s, and um, I was with them for about, yeah, about 12 years. So um, Yeah. They, they, and they allowed the music, the music career to develop, so I... Uh, um, yeah, it was it was a pretty pretty nice ride, pretty nice ride. Yeah, yeah, I never will forget you were on the show several years ago, and we were talking about that, and you made a statement that I have shared with some other performers that maybe were bronc riders or rodeo guys, and I said Dave Stamey told me one time that it was much easier on his body to be a performer than to ride some of those rough stock horses that he was having to ride back then. So. Oh God, yeah, yeah. Um, especially, well, especially it wasn't so bad working for the Alisal. We had some pretty good horses, but when I was when I was working for Outfitters in the Sierra, um, the horses were not. They were a little more bronchy and uh, challenging. And um, I uh, sometimes it was you know because you you gave the good horses to the the, the guests that, that showed up, the people who. Uh, we're going on the pack trips and everything, and then you, the the packers and the uh, wranglers, they had to they had to to ride the the bronchi stuff, the stuff that just come in, you know. And right. I'm I'm glad those days are over, actually. <laughs> well, I am too, and I'm glad I'm glad you changed from that to the music because you sure are blessing a lot of people with your music. So. <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad it's much easier on your body as well. So there's another song we're going to get <laughs> <Yeah>. to called <laughs> Just Like the Wind. Tell us about this one. Beautiful song. Uh, you know, it's it's just one of the you, – you, you reach the point in, in, in your life where you realize you're starting, starting to write stuff about uh, getting older and um, uh, it's just it's just a reflection on, on basically on, on how quickly time passes. And uh, yeah, that's just basically what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I haven't hit that point to where I, I'm getting older. <laughs> Aren't you, Bobby? <laughs> I'm I'm getting older every day. <laughs> uh, I'm feeling well, some, some days some days quicker than others. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think if you live from day to day, you're getting older every day. So it doesn't make any difference what age you are. Well, you get I, older. But. I think for me, for the first part, first time in my life, I look at the mirror and I do not know who that is. Who is that <laughs> in the mirror? 
what can well, you, what happens? Consider you your, consider <laughs> yourself lucky if if you if you yeah consider yourself lucky because I look in the mirror and I I see my dad and it shocks me. Oh, that's well, what I, I was just gonna say. Yeah, I was just gonna say that. Yeah, yeah. Particularly when yeah. I step out of the shower, it's like, oh God, that looks like my dad <laughs> looking back at me. But uh, anyway, anyway, this is a great song. It's just like the wind. It's from the CD "Good Dog." We're talking with Dave Stammy today. Ain't that just like the wind? Here for a moment, then gone again. I whispered in your ear from a long lost friend. Ain't that just like the wind? Ain't that just like the wind? Like a wish nearly came true. Dream when you woke up too soon A dance you thought would never end Ain't that just like the wind Ain't that just like the wind Always there Always going somewhere Always pushing you Always passing through A scent that lingers in the room A shadow passing across the moon Jangling of an old mandolin Ain't that just like the wind Ain't that just like the wind Always there Always going somewhere Always pushing you Always passing through The writing is there on the wall Nothing stays for very long at all Soon it moves around then Ain't that just like the wind Ain't that just like the wind Ain't that just like the wind? Just like the wind, Dave Stamey from his new CD, Good Dog. We're chatting with Dave. So, Dave, since you haven't been able to be out on the road, um, you have been uh, entertaining us on your front porch. Uh, you want to talk a little uh, yeah. bit about the front porch, your front porch songs, and maybe how that got started, and uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well, porch music, yeah, I'm calling it porch music. Matter of fact, that that's the new CD that I'm going to be recording here presently is going to be end up being called porch music. I think mostly from that, I had a pretty good response from it. Um, 
Mm-hmm. It started because uh, this this COVID nineteen virus thing. Uh, early on in March, I I wrote a song called the Corona Blues, and oh, um, that was great. And yeah. posted it on the on the YouTube, and it got immediately got like thirty thousand hits. Bango! Yeah. Wow. And, um, wow. Yeah, it was it was it was pretty astounding, and. Um, and then I noticed that, that a lot of folks were, were doing these live streaming from home things to kind of keep their hand in. And I thought, well, well that's not a bad idea. I should be doing something. Um, I have a hard time sitting still. But um, <laughs> so I, I – uh, and, I, and, I, and I've sort of been – since I've been home, I've, I've uh, tried to make use of my time. And every morning I'll get up and I'll go out onto the front porch and I'll try and write something. And, and it's, uh, it, it's resulted in a pretty – pretty um uh, pretty nice creative cloud that that sort of passed over and and i uh i i wrote probably nine or ten songs in pretty rapid succession and uh i started just recording them on the front porch and posting them to youtube and people seem to to enjoy mm-hmm. them and um so yeah so that's kind of what i've been doing i'm as a matter of fact i'm overdue to post another one and i'm i'll probably do that uh beginning of this next week what is your writing yeah. process like when it's um, not the virus going around? When the well, you know, most of the time um, I tend uh, these the last several years I've tended to write a lot while I'm driving while I'm on the road, and um, of course that that's not been the case here lately. So I've 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 dropped back to my old uh, default mode which was to get up every morning and just go in and sit down and try and write something every day um some days you catch something some days you don't but the the problem with uh with writing is is you do have to show up you do have to show up and, uh, <laughs> it's it's not a matter of making sure you write something but you, if if the muse decides to visit you it needs to know where you are yeah uh-huh. and uh yeah. So if you if you if you get up and put your butt in the chair every morning, uh, and and have everything you need to go and make an effort to do it, um, I I find that it that it, it tends to work out. Uh, some days some days you get three lines, some days you get nothing, some days you get a whole song, some days you get a song and a half. So it's it's a uh, it's a uh, an interesting process. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I've talk, we've talked to a lot of songwriters that uh, come up with their ideas from being out, you know, and they overhear something that somebody says, and that kind of strikes a chord. Um, so how do you come up with ideas just putting your butt in the chair in the morning? How do they come to you? Well, it's, it's, good, if you, it's good if you have some ideas ahead of time. Um, okay. But yeah, what you what you're what you're talking about there is is uh, I keep what a lot of songwriters call a hook book, and okay. uh, which is just basically a notebook where you uh, you you have a you have a line that occurs to you. Generally, I'll get a line and a piece of of, of melody along with that line, and it, it's a starting point. And it's just a matter you you know from first line you can figure out whether the song is going to be happy or sad or whether you're going to do a jazzy thing or whether it's going to be Sturm and Drang, you know, and a lot of minor chords, or and plus, you know, is it going to be four four time or three quarter time? So you can learn a lot about what the song is going to be just from the first line if you once you nail on to it. And, um, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. You can kind of you can kind of stretch it out, draw it out like that. 
Well, you had just mentioned that you, you know, you got the melody. Do you record the melody on your phone or does it just sometimes, stay with you? Sometimes, yeah. No, see, I, I still have a flip phone, so it, it's a, uh, I don't have oh, any of gizmos like that. But yeah, but I'll, uh, I'll, I'll carry around a, a little digital recorder and uh, uh, I'll try to sing that whatever the line is into that to kind of hold on to it. Now, if if I don't have the recorder, I have, I have borrowed my wife's phone and called myself and left a message on my phone with the the line and the melody on it. I've done that. <laughs> oh gosh. All right. Well you you remind me of my mother at ninety two years of age. She she has a phone but it's still a flip phone flip phone. So yeah. we may yeah. need to bring well, both of you into the twenty first yeah, century. We don't have no, 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 no. I, I, if you want to call me, call me. I don't text. I don't do any of that stuff. If you want to talk to me, uh, you can email. I do have. I do email. So I'm. So I'm in. I'm in the late you're, 20th century. Anyway. You're in the late 20th century. Okay. All right. Well, that's that's cool. Whatever you're doing, my friend, it's working. So I guess you just need to keep doing that kind of stuff. Another song from the CD is another great song. It's called "Where Have All the Horses Gone." Tell us a little bit about this one. Uh, this is a this is a song. It's a tribute to the old uh, the old Mustangers, and um, it used to be it was quite a. Uh, I don't. You guys remember that that movie, uh, The Misfits? It was the last movie that yeah. Clark Gable made. Yeah. Yeah, yes. it, it had to do with this industry, not industry, but a way of making a living. If you were broke, um, at one point you could actually go gather these wild horses and take them to the canter, and they would pay you X number of cents a pound for it. And uh, in 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 times of economic uh, hardship, back after the war, after World War II, especially, um, that was done quite a bit until it was finally outlawed. But I mean, these old boys were pretty tough and pretty pretty gnarly that would go after the go after these wild horses and gather them up gather them up and bring them in well this is another great song it's where have all the horses gone from the cd good dog we're going to be coming back and talking more with dave in just a minute Sundown puts the sky ablaze Horses turning round Fire in their eyes And the night winds come and carry them away In a fitful sleep he sees The horses run Along the breaks that climb above the river Cries out, but it swallows them complete. Where have all his horses gone? Wild as the cold sky, vanish like starlight in the dawn. Where have all Through winds 
shower deserts Cross yellow rocks He drives them towards a trap in the canyon We're shilling shore Scarred their hearts in his mind from the CD Good Dog. And Dave, your book, um, The First 25 Years, Songs and Stories, just received a wonderful review by uh, mutual friend Ollie Reed in the current issue of Western Way Magazine. And I concur with everything Ollie um, wrote. It's a phenomenal book. You want to just take a moment and tell us a little bit about that book? Oh, um yeah, it's just people ask me, been asking me for years if if, if I had a a songbook, and um, I, I kind of, you know, I didn't want to do one of those things where it had all the notations in it and all the the musical staffs and everything else, which because none of it really uh, pertains to what I do. I I, I don't read music, and I I'm nobody who's ever played on any of my recordings I don't believe ever read music or anything like that and, and it's 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 one of those things where it's uh it's more uh it just comes out comes at you through a guitar and you just kind of need to sit there and play the guitar and so I didn't want to go in that direction so I uh I, I just thought well I'll just put the lyrics out there and maybe just the chords on top of that and they can deal with it that way and then uh, then I started to to write little I mean, I have these stories that I tell on stage, and, and it just seemed natural to place the stories with the songs and um, just make a package of it, and it just sort of grew from there. Um, I, and I do, I do occasionally. I'll do a personal essay that I'll post here and there, and and um, people seem to like those. So I just kind of jumbled them all together and said, "Well, let's see if this works." And uh, 
it uh, it seemed it seemed to work out pretty pretty nice people i've got a lot of nice uh feedback on the on the book and uh, yeah so uh, it's it's <laughs> just one of those one of those uh experiments that you that you try it's, <laughs> as as jerry reed used to say it's just one of those one of those fits that you pitch <laughs> well it's fast it's fascinating reading and the introduction you you talk a little bit about um you you make a comparison to crafting a song working at your desk is is like a saddle maker a leather worker working you know at his workbench and and i just um you have such a wonderful way of describing describing the world and processes and the landscape and people's lives and you're just so gifted <laughs> well thank you i've always as far as this the saddle maker leather worker uh comparison i've always i've always felt that that a lot of us here in in the western music world probably have more uh more in common with an artisan like that a saddle maker or a spur maker than than we really do in the in the uh as far as the music business, the the, the world of, um, of, uh, <laughs> uh, of you know, we don't we don't really uh, operate in the same world. We're in the blue collar end of the of the music business, is how I like to put it. And um, <laughs> I, I, we 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 deal directly with the consumer. We don't you know we deal with mm-hmm. record companies or radio stations. We do we we do what we do, and then we we present that to collectors and. Uh, they buy them uh, mm-hmm. for a collection more than than anything else. So we mm-hmm. we bypass mm-hmm. all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Much better way to do it. Much better way to do it. Uh, seems to be working. It seems to be yeah. working real well. Yeah. So just keep doing it. So we're going to get to another song. It's one called "If the Morning Comes." Tell us about this song. Well. Um, Sometimes songs will arrive and you don't know what they're for um, or what they're about or what, what the whole deal is. And as a songwriter, you have to accept them all. Um, and this one just sort of came to me and I kept trying to figure out what I was going to do with it or what it was for. And then um, it just occurred to me after this coronavirus thing hit and everybody was on lockdown and, uh, you couldn't go out and you couldn't talk to people. You couldn't be with anybody and uh, you couldn't go out and make a living. And it was just this, this, this terrible, terrible feeling of, of helplessness and, uh, and frustration. And um, I, I looked at that song and I went, that's what this is for. That's what it's about. <laughs> wow. That's wow. what it's about. Yeah. Wow. Some, well, sometimes they not... come just so they can be there when you need them. You know, that's the mm-hmm. truth, I think. I think that mm-hmm. is absolutely the truth. People people go back and pick up songs and say, well, I'm going to finish this one. This is the right time for it. This is the right time for this one. And it's If the Morning Comes, Mr. Dave Stamey. If the morning comes and find you Riding all alone If the dawn sneaks up the rising sun and your way will be warm if the morning comes 
morning comes, you're not where you long to be. If you find yourself adrift on some lonesome breeze, the darkest of doubts can come to anyone, but the day's just begun, if the morning comes, keep riding, that's
comes, Mr. Dave Stamey. It's from the CD Good Dog. All of our worldwide audience that's listening today wants to know how they can get your music, Mr. Dave Stamey. So tell us how we can do that and tell us how we can follow your tour schedule. Well, um, you can go to uh, the the uh, ubiquitous website, which is just uh, it's pretty easy. It's DaveStamey.com, and um, there's a calendar there that's pretty much up to date. I keep uh, I keep changing it up with the cancellations and, and reschedulings <laughs> and so forth that, that's going on right now. But um, I try to keep that up to date, and you can um, you can get my my music there direct from me, or you can also find me on uh, Amazon.com. I'm all, all over the place there. I'm also on iTunes and Rhapsody and all of the uh, the uh, conventional digital download uh, sites. Uh, so I'm I'm sort of you know I'm I'm uh, I'm all over the place. I'm I'm like a rash. You're everywhere. <laughs> You're ev- so You're you everywhere, guys need yeah. to. You guys need to scratch your rash and uh, order <laughs> this great music. And, and I'm going to suggest you go to his website and do that. So he might even sign something for you when he sends it out. I don't know. Yeah, if, but, if, uh, yeah when, you, when you buy it from the website, there's a, there's a, I think you can put directions from buyer's directions or whatever it is. And if you want me to sign it, I can sure do that. So. That is so cool. Well, Dave Stamey, you're just too much fun to have on the show. I've enjoyed having you on every time that we've had you on, and this is absolutely no exception. And uh, just a great, great guest and a great, great guy. And uh, sometime or another, I'm actually going to get to see you in concert, I hope. So. Well, I, I, yeah. If you got a zip code, I'm going to be there sooner or later. So uh, just hang in there. I'll make it. I'll make it there. But uh, thank, thank you for having, thank you for having me on. Thank you for playing the music. I'm, I sure appreciate it. Well, you're a great guy. We always enjoy having you here, and uh, we're going to invite you to be back with us again. On, I'm going to invite you to come join us on the living room sessions before too long. So we look Absolutely. forward to. Absolutely. Let's do it. We'll do it. We'll do it. We're going to close out this segment of the show with another great song from the CD, Good Dog. It's called Molly's Well. Dave Stamey has been our very special guest today on the Campfire Cafe. Turn right on the gravel road before you reach the wind farm. It's rocky and a little rough. Wide enough for one car One mile south of Highway 10 One mile west of hell A little bar on the desert floor You can get a drink at Molly's Well Ten roof, I would walls Olympia beer sign Always a Harley parked out front Windows full of dust and grime Open up the old screen door Hear the tinkling bell Step across the linoleum And have a drink at Molly's Well There's frozen burritos in the microwave And there's dodgy games on the black and white TV 
by social distancing. So now we're going to travel all the way out to Utah and visit with Mr. Wes Taylor with Wild West Mustang Ranch. Hey, West. Hey, good afternoon, Gary. Thanks for having me. Well, good to have you. We're looking forward to our conversation and finding out more about what you're doing with Wild West Mustang Ranch. And, um, yeah, this is, we've been social distancing today. Bobby Jean's out in Albuquerque. I'm in Nashville. Dave was in California, and now you're in Utah. And um, people should be proud of us. But uh, we might <laughs> we might be huh? uh, six states apart rather than six feet. I <laughs> uh, guess. Yeah. Well. I have heard a lot about you for the last couple of years from some good friends of ours, mutual friends that we have. And uh, we got to visit just a little bit, uh, I guess it was last week. But um, Wild West Mustang Ranch. So exactly where in Utah are you located? And tell us how you got started with Wild West Mustang Ranch. Oh boy, that's a that's a loaded question. So we'll go with the easy part on uh, where it is, and then uh, what it is might be the the topic of the discussion. <laughs> uh, we're we're in a, a little farming community, a little rural community in uh, central eastern Utah called Fremont is the name of the town, and you really have to want to get there to go there. It's not on your way to much of anything else, and so it's it's a nice little rural valley in the base of uh, the Thousand Lake Mountain Range, the Fish Lake Mountain Range, and the Boulder Mountains. And if if you're from Utah around that area, you know those are some pretty pristine mountain wilderness areas here for Utah. So we're in a very beautiful valley, great place for lots of, lots of horse activities. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, tell us, tell us, we, you had an interesting story. How did you get started with horses? Because you've not been a horseman all your life. You know, right, Gary, and that's one of the kind of one of the novel parts of, of my story or kind of my experience with horses is that I've only been in this, you know, really full time or, you know, as a not even as a career path, but just as a passionate, you know, desire to learn more for the last ten or so years. And so prior to that I was uh, in the information technology realm world, I was a communications contractor that would install fiber optic lines, coax cables for, uh, you know, cable companies and, and telephone lines and, 
internet links, different uh, services that way. So that was my previous life for 20 years was uh, in that in that technology world. And then in uh, that that 08 09 time frame that that many of us remember, there was a a financial very well. frenzy. <laughs> yeah, very well. You know, most of us got to experience that, and uh, I, I was one of those as well. And kind of the downfall of it in my business at that point was that, like a lot of people, I was very overextended on credit. And so when that market started to fall apart, boy, everything in my world really started to fall apart as well. And we, we ended up in a in a we just kind of lost everything. I mean, it's it's. It's been hard for me to talk about over the years. I'm getting better at it now as I realize you know more and more people experienced similar and or you know worse experiences than I did. But it was a, a very humbling experience. Yeah, you know, as a I was 40 years old at the time, and being 40, I just kind of had the mindset that you know life would be pretty good by now. You know, I was 40 and things should be figured out and functioning and working well, and I should know what I'm doing with my life. And then this financial cleansing come along and really left me left me questioning my life in a sense because I had spent so much of my attention and energy on creating what I was feeling was this love, joy, and happiness in my life. But what I was doing was attaching all of that to materialistic things and, and labels. So I was right. You know, I had the right the right business and I had the right house in the right neighborhood and you know, I had the right job title on my office door. You know, I had all of those check boxes. You know, I had everything checked that should be bringing me this love, joy, and happiness that was this, you know, pursuit of the American dream, so to speak. And I just felt that something was missing. And uh, anyway, this this financial cleansing really stripped me down to some pretty core basics of life. I remember standing in the driveway of my home as we were moving out of our house because we would, could no longer afford to live there. And I'll hold my my sweet wife's hand, and I, I looked at her, and I was like, honey, I had more money in my pocket 25 years ago when I was a 17-year-old kid than I do today as a 40-year-old man. Yeah. And that was a sobering, humbling moment that both of us just – it really woke us up, but we didn't know what we were waking up to. So that was the beginning. So I kind of had to get – you know, life had to kind of scrub me clean and get – a lot of that materialistic kind of the ego or the business, you know, the finances, all of that stuff had to just really get out of my, my mind and get out of my life so that I could regroup and redesign who I was and, and, and you know, redefine life. And that's where the Mustangs come into play. I, I had went to a, a BLM auction or a BLM adoption and it just kind of watched. And I was watching all these horses in the pens and, and I was looking at them from the outside, and you know my life was quickly unraveling and falling apart at that time. And I was looking at these horses and all these holding pens, and you know, there I was on the outside of the pen, but I sure didn't feel a whole lot different than than what I might have felt like those horses were on the inside of the pen. You know, they right. their world had been changed, and and life was being redefined for them as well. And I, I just found a lot of similarities in how I was feeling at that moment and what I was kind of paying attention to these horses so a few months goes by and i my wife being a good good woman that it takes for some of us men to be good men and she's you know i'm definitely <laughs> one of them it takes a good woman for me to be a good man that is for sure so she invited me to uh 
Oh, it was one of these. It was like a, a self-help or a self-improvement type workshop, you know, weekend thing. And to me, I thought, well, that's all just kind of butterflies and rainbows and kind of woo-fooey, you know, spiritual type stuff. But I wasn't really, you know, my mind wasn't open to that. I was very much a business and, and you know, functionality kind of a guy. And anyway, I, I decided I'd go with her because I didn't have a whole lot else to do. My life was had already fallen apart all around me, and I was searching for some type of direction. So I thought, what the heck, I'll, I'll go to this meditation weekend with her. Anyway, we're, we're in that meditation weekend, and we're on day two of it. And I remember in this group meditation, the, the guy that was leading the meditation, he was kind of talking us through it. And I remember having this mindset very clear, Gary, so this will kind of give you a little bit of an idea of who I was before all of this. But he was suggesting to us in the group that, you know, if you guys would just spend 15 minutes every morning quietly meditating and pondering your day, you know, creating what do you want to have for the day? You know, what's the energy? What's your thoughts? What's your intent for mm-hmm. the day? And he was suggesting that, that we spend 15 minutes doing that every morning. And I remember sitting there in the chair, my, my man ego mind thinking, if you think I got 15 minutes to sit here and stare at the wall and look at the paint pattern, you got to say, you know, that, that was my mindset, right? So that was, that was me walking in and sitting down in the chair. But what happened while I was in that chair, I was no way prepared for. And uh, this, this is what happened was this, this guy was walking us through this meditation and somehow my mind just started slowing down and unwinding a little bit as he was talking and then they're playing music and, you know, they're asking you different questions kind of reflect on and to get quiet in your mind so that, you know, some inspiration could come through or some, some insight into, you know, whatever it was that we were seeking for your life at that time. And well, I didn't know what I was looking for, but I was there and he got my mind to slow down enough. And I, I received a, a message or kind of a, a knowing, you know, I didn't hear a voice or I didn't see any pictures, but I just had a knowing in my mind and what this knowing was or what I was kind of putting to words. And I grabbed a pen and I started to write it down. And what the, the words that come out on the paper were that the Mustangs had a journey for me if I was willing to follow with an emphasis on the word follow. Yeah. Meaning that I wasn't to uh, yeah take them and like go somewhere and say hey look at look at these or look at these mustangs or you know uh, you know to go show in a sense but I was to follow their lead and so I wrote that down and then a moment later another kind of follow up message or a follow up knowing come into my mind and that was in return for this journey that the mustangs were going to provide to me or if I would follow you know I, I had a, a the second part of that I had to do something I had to be involved in that and my my involvement was that I was to provide an honorable transition for the Mustangs or for horses to live with man to be with mankind yeah Boy, at that time Gary and at that time I mean my I didn't know much about horses I mean I, I owned a horse at that time I was very much a very novice recreational, you know, at best one or two weekends a month, I might go for a little horse ride. So right. my knowledge set was really, really low. And so here's this, this message that I wrote out on the piece of paper. I remember kind of elbowing my wife during that meditation. I was like, what does all of this mean? Gosh, read this. You know, what's what I wrote? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
we might have to take this to you know the to somebody to interpret this. I have no idea what this means, but look, here's these words that I just wrote down. And so we we kind of pondered and kicked that around a little while, and come to the decision that it felt like I needed to have a Mustang. And so you know, I like every good novice, inexperienced kind of green horse owner should do is go adopt a wild horse. That will solve all of life's problems. <laughs> when they were doing a, an adoption and, and I went and adopted not just one Mustang because once you're there you can pick up a buddy for only you know 25 or 50 dollars at the the adoption and so right you know, in the trailer for two so I ended up coming home with two Mustangs and that that quite honestly was the the very beginning of of where we you know the beginning of, of leading to where we are today wow Wow, that is quite a story, West. That is quite a story. Yeah, it, it, yes. it's been a journey in following that and kind of in interpreting that on a almost a day by day or a week by week, you know, interpretation of what do these, you know, what did that mean, and then how are we moving forward, and am I on track with with where I want to be with 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 the horses and with my knowledge and with with teaching and sharing and. I tell you, in, in following those Mustangs, I really learned what that meant over a few years' time because I had spent four years um, with that, that Mustang that I adopted, right? I, the first year, her and I just hung out in the trail together, and it took me a year just to unwind my mind because I had come out of this business world, you know, very much run and gun, and it's never enough. You know, you're, you just can never feed that beast enough, and I was so, you know, I was 20 years into that. Yeah, and it took me a whole year to just unwind, just slow down, and and anyway, that Mustang really helped me. Uh, her and I hanging out together. I still have her today. She's one of my one of my prize prizes of life that she gets to stick with me. So she taught me an awful lot about me during that year, and then some opportunities kind of started to come up, you know, here or there to teach a little bit or talk with somebody or or do a little something with a Mustang or somebody had a Mustang and, and wanted to talk to me. And it ended up leading me to two of my key mentors that have changed absolutely everything for me with horses. And, uh, you know, the Mustangs led me to those people. I mean, I didn't go out and look around and say, Hey, I need a mentor that will share with me some of their greatest insights of their entire life's work. You know, I think that would have been great, but I didn't have that thought. But right. Mustangs, through their contacts, they, they led me to these people, and one of them is uh, Miss Janice Wilson from Queens Creek, Arizona, and she's a phenomenal horsewoman and has an extreme knowledge and background in the handling and the mechanics of a horse, how they move and, and where pressure and applied and you know with, with the mechanical movements and handling of a horse. And then the Mustangs also led me to uh, uh, Dr. Stephen Peters, who is the neuroscientist who has been interpreting and doing some of this equine brain research that we've been working on the last five years. So well, between those two people, it just stopped me dead in my tracks. I was like, wow, I had no idea what I didn't know. <laughs> so I unwound and uh, started re-looking at my horsemanship and re-learning about how to 
communicate with with horses and how they operate and what made them tick you know why do they do the things that they do why do they behave the way they behave and that has been the most fascinating subject that i just can't pull myself out of and so i've been uh, pretty much ended up to my years for the last 10 years and then the last five years we've really been diving into the the science and understanding the the neurochemistry that's happening within the horse so that's that's kind of a quicker version of, of, of where we started and what we're looking forward to now. All right. Well, uh, that's a fascinating story, and I think more people need to kind of slow down and think about where they're going in life and what's important. But right now we're going to listen to a song from a mutual friend of ours, Miss Mary Kay. It's one oh, called love Horse it. Lover. One called Horse Lover. When we come back, we're going to be talking with West about his science-based horsemanship and uh and more about what he's doing today when we return on saddle up america grass ain't six bucks a bale now back feet is up again the beans and ramen noodles are the same the shoe is wanting cash now and grass is getting thin but the pasture's starting back now from that rain payments aren't too bad on my fancy two-horse plant Sure is dandy hauling to the trail I'm living in a single wire To afford the things I can Just found another vet bill in the mail I'm holding on to the end of my road As long as I've got horses I've got horses I've got one of those hearts That don't beat to a drummer It just gallops along Cause I'm a horse lover Oh, 
hearts And don't be too a drummer It just gallops along Cause I'm a horse lover That I'm a certifiably, undeniably won't recover. Well, we're talking with Wes Taylor today with Wild West Mustang Ranch. And uh, if you caught the first part of the show, you found out how he became involved with the Mustangs. And I guess, Wes, it just changed your life, didn't it? You know, it it really did. And and I was at a point in life that, man, I was looking for some kind of change. Something needed to change because I was burning out. I was... I was going down kind of in a mental sense. And so it was, it was refreshing to have something new to look at, you know, a new, a new way of of looking at life, a new way of living. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes things that seem to be bad at the time turn out to be better for us. So (laughs) I think that's something we should all keep in mind. But uh, so tell us a little bit about what you're doing now and how the uh, the science based works with the horse's brain and and I know you're doing clinics and some different things, but talk to us a little bit about what you do at at uh, Wild West sure. Mustang Ranch. Well, you know, I, I first got started working with Dr. Stephen Peters and he's published a book, Evidence Based Horsemanship, and I believe you can find that on. Amazon and uh, but anyway, I I got a copy of his book and you know reading a text of how the brain works, you know I could get a little information from that, but my mind doesn't really learn as well by just reading something and and so I just ended up chasing down and finding this Dr. Peters and just getting some time with him to sit down and visit and talk so that he could explain to me in a little simpler kind of cowboy terms, right? I needed it just really kind of the basics so that I could start putting this together. But yeah. so he, he started teaching me about the, the neurochemistry or, or how these neurochemicals in our, in our system, in our cells, how that influences behaviors. And so as humans, right, we have the same neurochemistry going on in our bodies and, and, you know, all mammals do. And so, as he was explaining to me, you know, the fight flight and, and the rest and relax section parts of the horse and how they operate, he was just really sharing with me some stuff that I didn't quite know how or what it meant. And anyway, one of one of his most profound statements he told me was he said, Well, West, I don't want you just to believe me. I want you to take this home to your horses. I want you to go home and go go talk to your horses about this. Go observe their behaviors and, and watch how what I'm describing to you, how these different chemical influences affect your horse. And boy, that's just, and that's what I did. I, I would take some learning from him and then I'd drive four hours back south to my ranch, to my place, and I'd grab one of my Mustangs and, and just kind of start 
pushing buttons and pulling levers, so to speak, you know, just right. turn around and, and trying to find what is this brain chemistry that Dr. Peters is talking about. So that's what I've been doing full time for the last five plus years is gaining knowledge from Dr. Peters and then the application of that knowledge. And that's where the horsemanship comes in in, in all of us is we have knowledge and then how do we apply or express we that apply knowledge? It? Yeah, yeah, that's that's the horsemanship. That's where that human horse relationship come together. And uh, that's so I've been the last five years kind of quietly, but you know, just at my place and with a few clients and doing the work that we've been doing, I've just really been perfecting and, and working through this neurochemistry. And uh, one of the there's four basic neurochemicals that kind of drive our horses that in their behaviors. There's cortisol, which is stress and worry, and right, we're very familiar with cortisol. We'll we'll hear stress and worry, you know, how that affects all of our health in in our human bodies. Right. So stress and anxiety, inflammation, and you know, breakdown of internal organs and body parts because too much stress. Well, that stress affects the horses in a similar manner that. If they're too stressed or too anxious, it's very difficult for them to learn, and it's also very difficult for them to handle pressure if, if they're very stressed. And so what we've been working with is how do we lower the stress levels in the horses so that they can learn faster and learn more, and then they can also handle more stress. Because right. when our horses break, yeah, when they break down on us, when they have like a reaction or a you know, they jump or flinch or spook or buck or bolt, you know, whatever those behaviors are, those are all, there were some precursors in that horse, some neurochemistry that got too stressed that triggered those events. And us humans, we might, we like to label things, right? With our prefrontal cortex, that, that prefrontal lobe of our human brain, that's where we, we have our expectations, our judgments, our perspectives, our labels, you know, our scheduling, our planning, all of that happens in that prefrontal cortex for humans. Horses don't have any of that brain material. I mean, it just physically doesn't exist in their skull. They, they, they can't have those types of thoughts. Right. This is the work that Dr. Peters is, you know, helping to really give us some, uh, some detail on. And so understanding that and, and balancing and working with these chemicals so we, the people, us humans, right, we can influence the chemistry that's going on in our horse, much like we do with other people. So Gary and Bobby, you guys have probably been around some people that you feel really calm around, or you might feel really confident being around them. You enjoy being in their presence. You know, it's enjoyable to visit with them and be around them. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. and then there's also... Yeah. Right, and then there's also people that when we get around them, we feel edgy or maybe kind mm-hmm. of short. Or I might, you know, be agitated or, I, you know, I might even be more defensive when this person's around. You know, there's just, I, I'm on edge. That's yeah. the brain chemistry. That's, that's how we're operating there. So we influence that same thing with our horses on how we interact with them. Rather they're feeling kind of that stressed and worried when they're around us, or rather they feel relaxed and calm around us, and, and we influence those those chemicals 
And that's really what we're perfecting and working on here is how do we have this into a, a knowledge base or a sequence of some sort that people can you know, start to understand and start to flow and work with, with, with their horses. And so that's, that's where we're at right now is, is kind of putting that in a step one, two, three type thing, or, you know, here's the uh-huh. basics and then everybody kind of blending that together and their, their own working with their horse. So how do we relieve the stress in our horses? I have to ask that question. And I love the question and having the question is, is the first step, right? Being aware. Mm-hmm. Am I aware of when my horse gets stressed? So a lot of clients are, you know, they'll they'll go out to their trail and go catch their horse, right? Go out and get the halter on and and then lead that horse over to the trailer or, or to the tack shed and and just start grooming and you know working with their horse. But boy, as soon as we enter the corral or even when we're walking towards the corral, our horse has already observed us. He's already watched us. And he's already, his stress levels are starting to go up just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And if we just go marching in the corral and we walk over there and, you know, hey, how, how are you today, horse? And we, we throw the halter on and, you know, we tie the knot and we just turn and start marching, you know, right out of the, the corral and across the, the parking lot area there over the tack shed. All of that added stress to that horse. So being aware of it and then how do we get rid of it, just slowing down this little bit. Like we can walk in and just get our horse's attention and then maybe just pause for 30 seconds and just allow that time to start to blend between horse and human. You know, there's an right. energy there that, that just kind of needs to blend. You know, it can be too overbearing when, right, you, we've all met that one friend that is just too much in our face, right? He just, yeah. we see him at Walmart or something, we're like, oh boy, there's so-and-so and sure enough, boy, they march right over and they're right up in your space and they're telling you all about whatever's going on in their life, and you're just kind of trying to back up. And especially nowadays with the with the COVID thing, right? Anybody even worse. Close and we're all yeah, yeah, we're all even anxious. So, so that's kind of the first step is being aware that we're even adding tension to the horse. And then there's this horse will go through the process. They'll transition between their sympathetic nervous system, which is fight flight, and then their parasympathetic nervous system, which is rest and relax. And there's a key marker in the horse that will, will help us know when they're transitioning. There's several of them, actually. But, um, you know, as a horse starts to lower his head, that's a sign of, hey, I'm trying to come down back to this relaxing parasympathetic nervous system. You know, their right. eyes get a little softer or a little darker. That's an, You know, there's more blood flow going up to the brain area now because the horse is transitioning out of fight-flight mode, which... You know, we need all of our supply going to our, our muscles to an adrenaline to leave. And so their head will lower, their eyes will blink, their ears will get a little softer. And then at some point, the horse will lick and chew. Mm-hmm. And this licking and chewing has become such a key marker that we're watching. Because when the horse licks and chews, the, the salivatory glands were just turned back on by the horse's autonomic nervous system. And the salivatory glands get turned back on when the stomach is turned back on and activated and the stomach is only turned on and activated when we're in the parasympathetic nervous system. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, just kind of a quick little cycle of watching our horse. So really all that needs to happen, we just got to slow down. Yeah. I think we, I think 
Yeah, I think we've all seen horses where um, maybe it was the owner that was nervous and anxious, and you could see that that transferred to the horse, so they become worse. And then somebody else comes in and takes the lead, and suddenly the horse just changes, and they just start to relax and calm down. And uh, Absolutely. I think that's a real skill. I've said this before, Bobby and West, is that many times it's not so much training the horse, but training the people to handle the horse properly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that, yeah, so that you can get those responses. So, yep. um yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you're, you're right on the money with, with training the person, and that's probably, and if you can talk to almost probably any horse trainer in the industry, and, and they'll agree with that, that, you know, us trainers, people working with the horses, we can kind of get the horse fixed up and, and alleviate some of that anxiety and anxiousness and, and, you know, be able to handle them and do a few things. Now we need that owner you know, that handler having that same basic tool set because it doesn't do any good for one party to, you know, speak French and another party to speak Spanish. You know, That's if, right. if the languages aren't the same, it it doesn't work any better to, you know, yell louder in French. Right. right. It, it, we, right. we need to be on the same <laughs> communication. And, and that's what I see a lot of is is uh, a lot of people, we, we just assume that our thoughts and feelings would work and be the same with horses and that's probably where us humans get you know the most in the way as we anthropomorphize a lot of our our thoughts and behaviors onto our horses so you are you're doing quite a few clinics uh aren't you west or had been i don't know whether this we had been virus has kind of slowed it down yep we were coming into a, a a good summer season that we were going to have here uh, dr peters and i were scheduled to co-present at a few different uh clinics that he and i were doing and uh, out here in the kind of the intermountain west but yeah with the covid situation we're we're pretty much shut down and just kind of waiting things out here to see what's what's really going to happen and how do we get back together and what do we start to do so i've really taken that time to kind of connect back with some of my clients and, and work more human to human with the horse and really start building, you know, this knowledge base of how we can handle horses differently, understanding the chemistry that's going on inside of them to uh, be safer. I mean, at the end of the day, we, we all got horses, not because we wanted to be stressed out and scared to go for a ride, but unfortunately that's what happens with a lot of folks is they get a horse, something happens, they get some fear in their mind that relates through to the horse. The horse picks up on that, like you said, Gary, and now we head out on a trail ride with the owner in a fearful state, the horse in a fearful state, and that neurochemistry together is a it's a bad combo. It, it usually it is. To, it, it usually leads to an overdose of adrenaline for both parties, and uh, and a, then and a wreck. A yeah, yeah, then a wreck yep. occurs. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yep, and that. I, I see, so, West, um, you have a – Go ahead. You, can I just jump in for a second? Yeah, go ahead. Um, yeah. This, is, this is Bobby, and I am not a um, horse person at all, so it, it's always so interesting to me. I come to everything with, like, no no knowledge. I'm a, I'm a blank slate and, an op- and a sponge. And um, 
Uh, I see on your you've got a great website, um, westtaylor.net. Wonderful website. And you have a very interesting series. You're offering a docu-series, and you're offering these for free. They've got great subjects. you want to talk a little bit about um, these series that you have? Yes, yep. We're, we're just getting things going online to where we're, we're trying to get you know, more and more content out there that, that shows how this chemistry works and, and how you know, we can influence and change that. So, yeah, the, the docu-series is a, you know, I'll take a, a training session or, or somewhere with a horse that we're doing. Maybe it's even with a client and, and we video that. But sharing that with, with other people that in a real-world setting where they can see you know, in real life what's going on. And my videos uh, for the docu-series and in our online library, they're very unedited. They're very real. They're very, you know, what's happening in that moment. It's not a, you know, a produced shiny uh, video you're going to be pleasantly, you know, scenically involved with, but it's just very much real life of this is what's going on with this horse and this is how we're going to change the chemistry to get this horse to... You know, either get in the horse trailer calmly and safely or you know be saddled calmly and, and without them moving around so it's a great little series and it's a great way for people to get to know me a little better and ultimately that's you know what we're looking to do here is, is grow our online audience our social media contacts so we felt like that would be a great way we can share and get some of that information out there and, and get some interest you know get some people on board to to start working with us and, and, and with their horses well, and it's a great way in this, in light of uh, what's going on um, today with the COVID, but also for anybody at a distance um, who isn't able to 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 get to see you right now. What a what a great way to get exposure um, and already learn from you. I also saw you have a fun thing, you know, who is West Taylor, and um, it sounds like you've done some really fun things like. Um, cross narrow hiking bridges at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. Tell me about yeah. that. <laughs> oh gosh, Bobby. That, uh, yeah, there, there's even, a, there's a video on there and I'm sure that's what you've seen, but we, we, uh, we did a film project a couple of years ago, which I'm excited to, to have when it gets all finished and produced and, and coming out. That's kind of another project, but yeah, we were, uh, we were hired to take this film crew down into the Grand Canyon and, and this documentary that, that they were making on some of the stigmatisms of uh, disabilities of humans. And so this, this person, Cara, was doing this documentary, and, and she was very disabled and crippled, and we, we took her into the Grand Canyon riding on one of our Mustangs. And it was an intense journey and just and a magnificent scenery and, and quite the task to take on to take this person and crew, you know, all the way in there to just show what really is possible. You know, if you can think it and, you know, you might have to create a team, but whatever you've got to do to get something done, you know, she was willing to do it and, and put together this great experience in, in going down rim to rim in the Grand Canyon on Mustangs. It was a phenomenal experience. And, and there was a bridge at the bottom of the canyon that uh, we needed to cross after the crew had all left. And as you can see in the video, it was quite narrow. And uh, anyway, we, we just used some science. We, we changed the chemistry in the, in the horse's mind, right? <laughs> got, them, got them calm and confident, and we walked five Mustangs, oh, I think about 
something 150 feet across a corrugated open floor uh, mm-hmm. about 80 feet above the Colorado River. Oh, and my walking gosh. across this bridge, it was intense, to say the least. But um, well, when, you, right. when, when you say that you work with the horse's chemistry, um, you must have to be working with your own brain's chemistry as well because they Absolutely. they read so much about what you're feeling. So so are you having to kind of retrain yourself too? All the time. That's that's probably one of the the best returns that I'm getting out of this experience with the Mustangs is they keep teaching me more and more about me. Um, you know, the more I learn about how their brain really works and then the more I'm applying that into you know my human life because as I I can start working with like a brand new wild Mustang, right? That's just clear full of fight and flight. Just every instinctive cell in its body says, do nothing with this predator, right? With this man, everything, fight, flight, you should leave. And over the course of a number of hours, you know, I'm able to influence that horse's mind and get him relaxed and get him calm and confident enough with me, right? That we can touch and we can brush and we can saddle and we can eventually go ride this horse. And I look at that transformation that a wild animal under this amount of pressure of being removed from their natural environment, and now they're in an environment with a human, but that wild animal has the capacity internally in the brain through Mother Nature's programming, and I've always just felt that Mother Nature left a door open in the horse's mind for man to enter to learn about himself. And that is what has really been happening with me for the last 10 years, the last five years predominantly, as I open that door in the horse's mind and venture in, I'm learning so much about me. When do my fight-flight instincts start to kick up when I hear Mm -hmm. different information from somebody? Mm -hmm. When am I being resistant? When am I getting stressed? Did my heart rate just change? Did my breathing (laughs) pattern get faster? Right, I'm, I'm paying attention to my own internal autonomic nervous system as I go through my life, through my day. And I'll tell you, I can read an email from somebody and I notice that my heart rate changes and my breathing changes. Yeah. And so I'm I'm learning this from the horse because I'm I'm watching this horse go through this transformation and this animal that was once clear full of just fight and flight, that was the only answer it had to solve any of life's problems. As, As this horse and I go through this transformation, and we come out on the other side, I can now take this horse literally shopping in Walmart, right? I could, wow. I could ride this horse in a store. I could ride it in a, in a mechanic's garage while they're running an air gun. You know, I can do all these things with this horse. And I look at that and go, wow, this wild animal can make that transformation. What's possible in my life? Absolutely. How much of a transformation can I make? How big of a transformation can other people make, right? We, we hear we're all going through our transformation, but seeing the horse go through it really paints a picture back to me of that I'm capable of much more than I'm really doing, right? I, I, I hold back. I kind of stay in the, the fear mode a little bit, or sometimes I get in the fight mode, and that might get me you know, into some resistance, and I'm, not, I'm fighting against some things that I shouldn't be. So, boy, I've... I've learned so much about me as a person, and I'm also learning so much about humanity because 
we really are a lot like the horse. We're, our, our autonomic nervous system is constantly transitioning between sympathetic, which is fear, fight, and flight, and that parasympathetic, rest, relax, heal, and recover. I just think us humans don't spend near enough time over in the parasympathetic, resting, relaxing, yeah. and healing ourselves. You yeah. know, it's, it's pretty easy to be stressed and just kind of go, 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 go. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's absolutely fascinating. You have been a wonderful guest today. I'm gonna I'm gonna say now that we're probably gonna have to have you back and continue this conversation because oh, it's you. it's fascinating. But uh so Bobby mentioned your website before, so why don't you do that again? Tell us how we can find your website and your social media. Thank you. Yes, uh West W E S T, so my first name is like the direction, West. Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R, dot net. That'll get you to my website. Uh, you can Google my name, the same thing, and it'll get you to all the social media and you know what we've got going on on that way too. But Facebook, Instagram, um, where we got all of our content there. And um, on the website, we're, we're just building this online learning library. So we, we're, we're getting more and more videos on there that, that show so much more of this science and kind of the the how and the why. You know, I really love that science Science has proven truth and horses just don't lie. So putting those two together, that's what we're trying to put out and get into people's hands. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, Wes, you've been absolutely great today, and uh, we'll have to get you back on the show to continue this conversation again. So I just want to tell you how much I appreciate that, that you have taken the time to be with us and share. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, Bobby, for having me. And uh, we keep learning every day, so there'll be more. <laughs> All right, that's great. Well, right now we're going to take a break and listen to a song from Joni Harms called Saddle Blanket. We've been talking with Wes Taylor with Wild West Mustang Ranch in Utah, and uh, we look forward to having you back with us again. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Grabbed my old blanket, ran out right away. 
had cinched up the saddle and handed me the reins. Even though I After all that we've been through And sometimes I still get scared But my blanket's always there Made a hundred years ago By the hands of the Navajo Sold by some old trader On the side of a dusty road It still holds the hair Of many a pretty pony Blanket. Bobby Bell, this has been a fun couple of hours today. Yes, it has. Dave Stamey is always so much fun. It was great to listen to his new CD, Good Dog. There's more music on that, so be sure and visit his website and order all of his CDs. They're absolutely great. And, uh, and Wes Taylor was just such an interesting guest to have on the show. I'm I'm thinking that you're becoming a horse person. Well, I tell you, he has lots of do- he has lots of videos to watch, and you can sign up to receive. Um, that's part of the series. Every two weeks, he's releasing a new one, and that's actually all free. Um, so yeah, tons of information there. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, it was a fun show. Uh, we want to remind you to join us again next Thursday for the Campfire Cafe in Saddle Up America beginning at noon. And then tune in to our new program, the Living Room Sessions, that comes on on Saturdays. And that also begins at noon. So uh, we're having a lot of fun. And uh, we always look forward to having you guys come join us and be part of the show. Bobby, we're going to say goodbye now and listen to a great song from Terry Brown called Blue Skies Always. We remind you, as we always do, if you climb in the saddle, get ready for the ride on Equestrian Legacy Radio. Thanks for listening.
of happy dreams that all come true. Blue skies, always, is this old cowboy's wish for all of you. May the horse you ride be gentle and eager for the trail. Your supper hot and plentiful and steady as the mail. I wish you